Welcome to Pudding Ain't Easy and the Hawkeye Grand Finale. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, I am your host, Carl Pierce, and with me, as always, is the kingpin of podcasting himself. <laughs> it's Scott McLeod, everybody. Thank you. Thank you very much, Carl, for having me here. <laughs> Talk of the time, I mean, it's not like William Shatner there. What the hell am I doing? <laughs> well, well, Clint Barney have kept his promise to be home for Christmas. We were not able to get you this episode before Christmas. So, you know, it turns out Hawkeye is more trustworthy with his promises than we are. <laughs> he, he really is. I mean, just like Pudding, keeping your promises ain't easy, Scott. No, no, it is not. But, well, we, I would like to wish you a Merry Christmas to all our listeners and a Happy New Year, because this will probably be our last podcast of the year, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. With a bigger ball effect coming out by the time you've heard this, yeah, we probably won't be able to you know, get our schedules together to the new year. But, you know, hell of a way to ring in the new year and what a year it's been, eh? Oh, yeah. I mean, we're all prepared for a better year than... 2020 and look what we got <laughs> absolute bag of shite i don't know about you i had a whale of a time <laughs> I'm, I'm sure i'm sure you did i'm sure you did uh, have a nice christmas girl i did thank you very much i spent it with my mum and dad and my little sister and I got some cool presents, some, and you know you can't go far wrong, really. And Christmas dinner, mm-hmm. yeah. And yourself, yeah, yeah. I had a really I had a good Christmas. You know, pretty relaxed. You know, the first one I've had, first one I've having Dexter there. So my mum bought Dexter a bunch of stuff, but like the first thing he saw was this like wee red and yellow like ball that's kind of squeaked. So as he seen that, he wouldn't. He really pretty much ignored all the other stuff my mum bought him, so she could have just got him this one ball and he'd been happy, he'd been happy and he'd just play with that the whole day. Like he said, you know, having Christmas dinner and everything, I had my brother over. It was nice and you know, I, I've been I've found over the last few years I've been putting more and more preparation to my Boxing Day sandwich. It's becoming <laughs> a bit far too much thought into into that. Uh, I see, because you're in Scotland, you've got a few more restrictions to to put up with again. Yeah, yeah, this is the whole thing. I mean, I'm happy. I was just lucky I was able to get my brother over, to be honest. Uh, he was working Christmas Day. He works in a, a, a care home. Like, he arranged like, activities for them. So his day consists of him dressing up as Santa, getting paid double time, and getting given free shit by, by old people like chocolates and all that shit. And I, I remember he came over and he told me about his day. I went, you're, you're just stealing a living, aren't you? <laughs> 
I was thinking, yeah, working on Christmas, maybe not that great, but uh, that doesn't sound too bad, actually. Yeah, he's a... Uh, uh, you know the, the, the... I see, yeah, I see Dexter's making himself known again. Yeah, we ordered food, so uh, I was like, someone's come to the door, he's like, who's that? What are you doing? <laughs> Who is at the house? Uh, ironically, for this, we ordered pizza, but he will not be getting any pizza. He's not like <laughs> So, um, before we get into the programme itself, uh, a couple of new trailers um, have dropped recently. First off, um, the Doctor Strange uh, trailer, which looks really good. It also a little, it reminds me of that What If episode a little mm-hmm. bit, actually, because... Uh, there's like a, an evil Doctor Strange in it, by the looks of it, which is uh, quite cool. Now, you'll probably be able to tell, uh, probably know better than me, uh, but it looks like it sort of follows from the Spider-Man movie. Would that be correct? Uh, it does seem to follow on the, from, uh, from Spider-Man. Like, there are a few lines even from the, the trailer of Spider-Man No Way Home that are repeated. Like, you can hear echoed at the start of this trailer. So the idea of messing with time and multiverses and everything is followed on into this movie, which honestly is why the chronologically they're coming out one after the other. Some people may see this as a spoiler, but I actually don't think it is. Uh, you can judge it for yourself and you can hate me if you want, but this whole like, two and a half minutes trailer, that's the very end post credit scene of Spider-Man. Like, literally, beat for beat, this exact fucking trailer. Like I thought like, I remember when it came, I went, oh, you know, a couple of glimpses of, this, of Doctor Strange. And then I heard, oh, trailers come out. It won't be the exact same thing that we waited around for in Spider-Man. No, they'll show us some new stuff from that. And I just, but they just don't want what we've shown in Spider-Man, the end of Spider-Man credits to get out. Nope. Beat for beat for the entire two and a half minutes is the exact same. Trailer. So if you haven't seen Spider-Man No Way Home yet and you've seen this trailer, you can, only watch, you can just watch up to the mid credit scene and you'll be happy. Yeah, don't you don't see? No, this is a spoiler. This is this is help. See, if you, yeah, if you listen to this and you've not seen the film yet, you don't have to wait until the very end because all you're going to get is this trailer you've already seen. So there you go. Uh, I, I like the fact that he um, he pays wonder a vision uh, vision wonder <laughs> a visit wonder a visit. I was meant to say you you have to edit that out so I don't look too idiotic and. Um, yeah, they mentioned um, the events of Wonder Vision in there as well, which was cool. Yeah, if he says like I'm not here about that, but when you really look at, you know, even though at the end that like she is, she did try and help them all. Like she really did fuck with a lot of people's lives, you know, and through the events of that series. So maybe you should have been there about that. <laughs> Yeah, they they've both made a bit of a hash of things by the by the looks of by the looks of it. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting to see who's actually going to be the villain of this film because they give you a few different options. Like there are people who still think Wanda will be the villain. You try and you know because you see her going through that book of spells and at the end of WandaVision and she's doing like the astral care projection. You've got uh, Mordo once again played by. True to Elijah Ford, who okay, was set up at the end of Doctor, the first Doctor Strange as a villain, but then you got this other Doctor Strange that we see, and I think it's good because also with What If and Loki, we've already been playing with the idea of 
you know, variant versions of uh, different characters. Don't know if it's the exact same like evil Doctor Strange we see in What If, but you know, they could be like all different versions of Doctor Strange that they could play with in this film. Yeah, definitely. Definitely looks like a bit of a an evil Doctor Strange. So yeah, it looks like it could be quite a quite a cool movie. We see the sort of big sort of octopus type thing, don't we, that he has to that he has to take out. Yeah. And like apparently they've been teasing some uh, like if they weren't like obviously Miller or a lot of cameos in uh Inspiring Never at Home, but I think they're looking to continue that with the idea of the multiverse. Apparently they've been teasing some big cameos for Doctor Strange as well. I even heard one rumor that they're gonna bring Haley Atwell back to do like a live action version of that Captain Carter that we see in What If. Oh, I'd be down for that if that's <laughs> uh that's the case. It, it, it could always be like what if it was like a, a dry run for all the live action multiverse stuff. Yeah, yeah. I remember what if guys actually got some criticism at the time from one outlet that I was reading about because it said, all oh, these guys said that it was going to be a, a standalone thing and they'd end up all tying in. Like, this shows Marvel is incapable of telling standalone stories. Well, you know, but sometimes when you really connect things the way they've been doing here, sometimes you get really good stuff as this looks here. Or when you see with Spider-Man. Yeah, exactly. I think people just like to whinge, don't they? <laughs> yeah. It's, but yeah, this this film looks like it, it's going to be pretty good, to be honest. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Anything else you want to add to the Doctor Strange trailer? Uh, not really. I mean, like I said, I'll give you the public service announcement. Basically, you get the exact same trailer if you stay at the end of Spider-Man. But I think it was just tease like Doctor Strange, like is is the next one coming out, and you know, uh, to see how it will tie in. But oh, like the effects of it, like they they gave you some interesting looking effects, and uh, the first Doctor Strange they're looking to continue that, and this, and with Sam Raimi being involved in it, uh, they're teasing like the real lot of horror elements involved. Then in. we don't get to see a lot of that in the trailer, but I'm interested to see how they pull it off in the kind of context of this whole like you know mystical multiversal kind of story. Yeah, I heard that that it was going to have some sort of horror elements in it as well. So whether that's still uh, still going to be the case, I don't know. I mean, I know they've had to do reshoot, so it's, in, it's kind of we'll have to find out what they had to reshoot. It'd be interesting to to sort of know what had to be changed. Mm-hmm. I, I, I still think maybe like. As I think because the announcement the reshoots came was we were getting closer to the release of Spider-Man. I think maybe as also people at Marvel looked at the film and thought of like, actually maybe we should do this. If this is falling into Doctor Strange, maybe we should have this in the film or have a bit more of this or cut these scenes out, you know. Or maybe like it's one of the cases that we talked about a few episodes ago about the idea of maybe they've test screened it and think uh, people want more of this. Yeah, could well be. But uh, yeah, hopefully... It's as, as it's as good as the prom uh, as the trailer promises. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and another trailer dropped uh, just a couple of days ago uh, for the new Batman film that's due out, which uh, looks very intriguing. We see a bit more of the Batmobile, which is uh, which is very cool. Mm-hmm. I like this. I like this Batmobile. It looks. It almost just looks like a souped-up sort of um, muscle car, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like 
dangerously close to like the kind of car you see them driving in uh, Fast and Furious, but a bit more grittier than that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> and I was surprised we got another trailer, like because it didn't feel like that long ago, really. You know, it probably was, but you know, what is time anymore? But uh, it was like lockdown, everything. It didn't feel that long ago since DC Fandom when we got our last trailer for the Batman. Uh, and I remember before that, it would be like a year prior where we'd only got a, we got a brief trailer with like 25% of the film shot. And then get to see another trailer so close to it, like so closely afterwards. And, you know, you know it's not not as far away as you might think. Like 4th of March is not really that far away, even though it might seem that way. Uh, and so they're giving us even more like looks of, you know, I think I like when you do this because it tells you a lot more about this version of, not just Bam, but the version of Bruce Wayne that uh, Robert Pattinson's portraying with people asking him, like, what are you really doing for, for Gotham? And our cut with scenes of him, you know, as Batman chasing down uh, the Penguin, like we saw in the last trailer. And then you get to see a lot more of his interaction with uh, Catwoman, which uh, should be interesting. I feel that's going to be a big driving force, maybe this film, but maybe of also future films going forward. Uh, Zoe Kravitz even said that she considers this almost a, a Catwoman origin story. So I just think it proved that I think this I think that statement in the trailer shows that she's probably a bigger part of the film than we previously thought. Yeah, it does look like they're gonna explore the sort of on off relationship between Batman and um Catwoman slash Selena Kyle and it looks like they do a bit of teaming up as well as fighting each other from uh, looks that trailer and um the riddler looks like he's going to be quite a prominent part as well so there's some quite interesting and cryptic sort of clues and puzzles by the looks of it you see him with something on his phone that looks um looks different and he also mentioned something about Alfred lying to him in the trailer as well. So um, looks like there's some quite looks like they're juggling quite a lot. So I, I just hope they're not trying to do too much because, as we know, the the penguin's going to feature in it as well. I still, I think I stand by my statement. I think penguin's like a secondary character. Mm. won't take up too much of the screen time. Like there's maybe a scene where he has to go in for information, then he. Tries to screw him over, which then leads to the like the car chase scene. But yeah, I think uh, the Riddler is like the main focus. I think well, there's a scene where he, he does get captured, but you know I have a feeling it's gonna be that typical. Oh, but I wanted to get caught, and then it's a big dramatic chasing because it does look like there's a scene with him and Selena Kay on this what looks like some sort of prison. So I think that's gonna be involved. That so maybe while he briefly in like the first or so act, while he's got himself caught, he goes and deals with the penguin, then comes back to the Riddler. And it seemed to me like they were maybe teasing that somehow Riddler knows that Batman is Bruce Wayne. And he, he's talking about like family secrets in Gotham and everything. So maybe there's something about Bruce's mum and dad that Alfred knows about that they didn't tell Bruce about, which could serve again future films. Yeah, 100%. And uh, Riddler looks a bit more sort of terroristy, I think. Mm-hmm. That's the sort of impression I'm getting. He's sort of. Uh, <clears throat> tying people up and gaffer taping their faces and we see a lot of explosions so whether the riddler's sort of planting bombs and stuff for batman to find or something it does seem like a lot of these like the like antics for lack of a word that he's up to are very similar to what like Heath Ledger's Joker was doing in the Dark, in the dark Knight and they mm. still give a, a comic book character who's kind of over the top in places 
but he's doing genuinely sinister acts like blowing people up or that scene with the funeral where the guy comes out of the car and he's got something like taped to him with a message from the Riddler uh, for it and so I think they're going with that kind of approach for the Riddler because obviously for most people in terms of live action unless you've seen the TV show Gotham the only other live action real portrayals you've seen of the Riddler are either the 60s Batman or Jim Carrey which were kind of over the top so this is the completely other end of the spectrum because when you look at variations of the of the way the Riddler's portrayed he's either portrayed as like over the top and goofy or completely psychotic you know like you know if you've ever played the art Batman Arkham games it's always some elaborate also of course there's some sort of elaborate puzzle that you need to go find that's been set up for you by the Riddler yeah I kind of like the way they sort of utilise Riddler in the, the Arkham games you just like there's a clues for you to sort of find and um, question marks to collect and yeah. if you get enough you can actually find the Riddler at the end of some of the games so yeah he's he's a lot more sort of uh, sort of sinister in, um, in these sort of later sort of Batman vehicles than it was as you say in the 60s and um, the Batman Forever film yeah but you know, if if he if he doesn't have a flashing question mark jacket, I want my money back. <laughs> I don't think it'll be as flashy. Maybe at one point he'll get, have like a dark green jacket with some question marks on it. Because so far, all we've really got is like this like we clip with the coffee that happens to have the foam like question mark in it. Yeah, definitely. And and a lot I've noticed with a lot of um, more sort of modern Marvel and. Um, DC, it's more the, the sort of uh, in-film media and tabloids or another character that sort of gives the villains their names rather than the, the villains actually calling themselves uh, the Riddler or 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 what have you. Mm-hmm. It's, it's usually coined, you know, it's usually coined by someone else, like even Mysterio. That, that was sort of coined by other characters and you only started using it when Peter Parker sort of sort of mentioned the name to him, didn't he? So Yeah. I think it's interesting, you know, plot device that they've kind of used me because they realise that some of these things can be quite strange. Like they even did as far back as like the the first couple of Sam Raimi Spider Man films where you had J. Jonah Jameson was the one naming the Green Goblin mm. and all because I think that was maybe the idea of like, oh, tabloid journalism, we need to have a name for like, big flashy headlines that you'd use and slap a, a name in. Yeah, exactly. It's, and you, they probably would as well, so it kind of works and makes sense. Like, it's a catchy name to sell papers. Something I remember not realising until years later uh, with Spider-Man 2, when they do the scene where they're naming Doc Ock, which is ironic since Sam Raimi is now directing Doctor Strange 2, yeah, he's asking me, listen, what can we name this guy? Uh, Doctor Strange? That's good. That's taken. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm interested to see how this kind of goes, because, you know, like, what his real motivation is from the trailer. I think we see a bit more of his potential motivation in the trailer, but, you know, usually his motivation is basically brilliant. I'm smarter than everybody, whereas this one seems to be, like I said, more just, like, causing chaos, much like Heath Ledger's Joker, so I hope they don't Go as like and they try. They don't try and make him too much like that character because you know a lot of people hold the Dark Knight very highly and they, they you know they'll love to make the comparison. They'll just want to make the Riddler like the Joker or what they did here. 
Yeah, well, there's, there's some versions of the Riddler because Batman sort of also calls himself the, the greatest detective, which sort of gets lost in these movies. And the Riddler sort of just kind of wanted to prove that he was more intelligent than Batman. And his main goal is sort of to try and sort of outsmart him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's what seems to be like a good thing about this film so far is that it does seem to be like more than what we've seen previously that he is like being portrayed as a detective in some ways. And there, there is a quote in the trailer, doesn't he? Where I forgot what he says, but the you sort of hear him just say, "Maybe you're not as clever as I thought." Yeah, because you know, I think I think they're still they're saying that he's only like a year or so into his time as Batman as well, so. Yeah, I imagine, obviously, because Robert Pattinson's not that old, so he's, I, I dare say in this he hasn't been Batman that long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, he's still fairly young enough. Eh? He's still like the early enough, you know, kind of versions of Batman. I just, just like, just don't, please don't, if you, like, I know, you know Matt Reeves, dread of the film, big listener of Rogue Pines, but please, like, even though it's fairly early in his origins and everything, Please don't feel the need to show us another shooting scene of his parents dying. We know how it happened. Please. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I like that. I like the fact when they introduced Tom Holland, they they just brought him into Civil War. We didn't have to see his uncle die again because they did that twice, didn't they? They did it again with the Andrew Garfield films, and it was only a few years removed from the uh, uh, Tobey Maguire ones. Yeah, because like you've seen the you've seen his uncle died in the same one, and then the third Tobey Maguire film, they said, "Well, oh, actually, he died this way," and they show you in a flashback him dying again, and then after <laughs> like five or so years later, they bring out a second a new Spider-Man franchise with another uncle Ben dead. Yeah, and they even did um, Batman's parents dying in um, the Batman vs Superman film as well, didn't they? So yeah, quite they've quite enough of that. Yeah, unless you'd forgotten somehow in the the last few years that somehow how Batman became Batman. I think we needed to know because of the whole Martha business. You could have done it so many other ways. <laughs> you could have done it so many other ways to know. Or maybe you couldn't have, you could have just not done the whole Martha thing to begin with. <laughs> but that's a discussion for another day. It, it really is. So are we ready to get to the uh, the show at hand. Let's get to it. All right, Hawkeye. Dun dun dun. <laughs> <laughs> so as we as we saw at the uh, the very end of um, the last episode, um, we see actually see Wilson Fisk played by Vincent Defanio right at the start of this program. So if we were wondering if he was going to be in it, we didn't have to wonder for very long. And mm-hmm. yeah, he's having a meeting with uh, Eleanor slash Kate's mum, who's talk who admits that she is the one that killed Armand. She says she dealt with him like you asked, and uh, talks about wanting to to leave his organisation, which uh, of course Wilson Fisk isn't overly keen about. In the spirit of the holidays, I'll I'll give you a chance to reconsider. <laughs> and we see that um, 
that meeting is actually being uh, a recording that's been watched by uh, Kate and um, Clint, the, the, the Elena Center. So um, Kate starts freaking out and and panicking. What, what you know? What's a mum doing meeting with him? What's what's going on? And uh, yeah, so it's it's like we we said near near the beginning when we were sort of wondering if it it could be Jack. It you know it's quite likely it could be Elena, and and that's what it's turned out to be. Um, yeah. We also see um, a meeting between Kingpin and Echo. I'll call it. I mean, they they say Maya most of the time, but we'll. we'll well, I can't remember calling her Echo, I think. Um, she apologises for chasing Ronin, um, tells him that she, she went overboard and um, she, she'll she stop now. And um, he asks, are you still with us? She says she is, but she wants some time off. Um, she's, clearly, she's clearly just saying what she thinks they want to hear. And... Um, uh, Kingpin knows she's lying, which uh, we see when she when she leaves. He turns to to Kazi and he starts getting quite angry. We see the sort of real Kingpin. I uh, like whatever his lies. So he goes, he says, uh, you know, "Echo's gone against us, and that Bishop woman wants to leave her job like she works at Goldman Sachs." <laughs> <laughs> I, love, I love that line. <laughs> He tells Carsey that people need to be reminded that this is my city. Um, I quite like the visual of Kingpin as well. He's he's got a suit that he's been seen wearing in the comics with the the white suit with a sort of floral design shirt, and he's got his cane this time, which he never he never had his cane in Daredevil. So uh, that's quite a cool little touch. Yeah, he does like there's like the ending of like Daredevil scenes. He does have like, a weird, like long like fight scene with like Kingpin, Daredevil, and Bullseye. So even if like there's only like, slight looking edge, you even like you know every, even if you even if it's only in your own mind, like think that maybe if it's connected to that show, maybe the fight scene at the end of that series led to injuries that now he's had to you know carry this cane since then, or maybe it's just you know because he's a Kingpin and needs to have a cane. Yeah, yeah, it it could be either to be honest. I just like to have it to batter people in the face yeah. with. <laughs> you know, sometimes uh, these people need to be told, and you'll just give them a smack. Won't do. Sometimes you have to bring out the cane. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we we sort of see um, Kate and Clint um, make. Make an, uh, a batch of new trick arrows, which is quite cool to see them actually um, putting them together. Uh, like a little little bit of a, a montage as uh, we see Clint sort of put together all these way too dangerous trick arrows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've got a wee label maker labeling what each one is, and one of them just says way too dangerous. Yeah, yeah, I like the fact that she's doing little labels for them. And um, Clint sort of tells us, tells Kate, are you sure you, you want to do this? There's a, a lot of sacrifices to be made. And uh, Kate sort of explains to Clint that it was him she saw in the Battle of New York taking out all these aliens without superpowers, and that inspired her 
to um, sort of take up, uh, you know, take up archery and try and become a hero herself. So I'm starting to bond a bit more now, which is uh, cool to see. And we go to the party, which we've been hearing about um, all series. Um, but we also see that uh, Kazi and his henchmen are also in position, uh, waiting to strike. Kazi in a building uh, across the street with a sniper rifle and a henchman waiting outside to pick out anybody that tries to to get away. I say henchman. Obviously, I mean the tracksuit ma- mafia. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, in the party, we see um, Jack is out of jail. And he's holding a sword in his hand, <laughs> which Clint notes is quite brazen for somebody who was arrested for killing someone with a sword. Here's <laughs> <laughs> one of my favourite scenes of the episode, and probably his best scene of like the whole series is when uh, our man's uh, like grandson that we saw in the first episode comes up to him and you know, talks about being in jail and just like being basically a wee brat to him. Uh, yeah, I just go to him. Remember when you peed your pants at the lake? I do. Everyone else does. <laughs> he has another good moment um, in this episode that I quite like, actually, Jack. We, um, we also see that um, Yelena is in, at the party as well. Mm-hmm. You've also got some of the LARPers there kind of undercover yes. as, uh, as waiters as well. Yes, so they're they're gonna they're gonna be helping out our heroes, and as, as you say, they've been put undercover as uh, various different uh, yeah, like quick room attendants and waiters and and everything. And um, Kate finally runs into her mom as she starts asking her about uh, Kingpin. Um, she says that. Um, she had no choice uh, when her dad died. It turned out that he owed Kingpin uh, a, a shit ton of money, mm-hmm. um, which is uh, one of uh, one of the things we sort of hypothesise in uh, one of our other parts, wasn't it? That it, it might be more that she was sort of drawn into it out of desperation rather than wanting to be a, a sort of evil person. And yeah. that's pretty much what it looks like. And then once you're, once you're uh, sort of under Kingpin's thumb, uh, as he said in uh, the opening scene, there's there's not usually any getting out. Because like, uh, like, I remember the argument from the first episode, and Kingpin even said, like, like, he describes the amount of money owed was like a small fortune. So it was so that maybe even, even since he died, he's still been working to pay that off. And, but even just here, like the example of the kind of things he's probably had to do over the years, like having to go and like kill Armand. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, uh, Kazi starts firing um, with his, with his um, sniper. Luckily for Clint, he sort of sees a reflection of the um, sort of laser target in, in a glass, so he's able to duck just in time. And um, chaos, obviously, because he's shooting chaos in shoes. Mm-hmm. Kate tells her mum, uh, this is happening because of you. And it's just day put and Jack rocks up and um, she she sort of tells him to stay. And uh, 
he's you know he says that line i feel like i'm missing something <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's just the way it's just the way he delivers it as well it's just uh it's so good um one of the LARPers um, turns off the lights, um, which um, stops Kazi from being able to see who he's firing at. Kate's uh, catches Yelena, and um, she follows her into a lift. And we have a nice, fun scene where um, Kate punches in. Uh, Kate tries to push buttons in the lift to to stop it from going to the floor where Clint is. And uh, Elena's trying to stop her, but Eli doesn't really want to hurt Kate. So mm-hmm. it's quite it's quite funny that little bit of fighting and interactions, and um, in in the in the scuffle, Elena uh, sort of pulls Kate's dress off, and we see she's got a, a brand new sort of Hawkeye outfit on. Mm-hmm. And uh, he goes, you meant that to happen, didn't you? No, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a big, a totally big reveal uh, that she's wearing that. If you, if you somehow manage to avoid any piece of promo material that, that that's been put out there before the show aired, I didn't know. And uh, yeah, of course have, you didn't. <laughs> they have a little bit of a fight, and uh, again, there's another moment where sort of they're giving each other props for some of the manoeuvres um, they've done. <laughs> they've done each other. Well, that you that kick thing or whatever you did was 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 good, and <laughs> it's quite funny um, that they're sort of fighting yet complimenting each other. Um, you know, and eventually he's like, he's like a, a grapple hook kind of thing and sort of abseils. Like the abseil sort of like uses the rope and runs down the, the side of the building uh, to get to the bottom outside and Kate decides to follow her in a, in a sort of Kate Bishop kind of way, really, not quite as graceful. <laughs> she sort of uses another rope and sort of slides down there quite fast, just slowing herself down in the nick of time. Mm-hmm. But um, she makes a better job of it than Clint manages, to be fair, which uh, <laughs> we'll get to in just a second. Yeah. Uh, um, also, missed like, out. Sorry, go. You mentioned like, like, about, like the funny thing about Kate's when is even though she just managed doesn't like do it as gracefully as uh, she does, she does manage to land, you know, like kind of okay on the ground, and she almost does like what like Deadpool would call. Ah, she did the. The superhero landing. Uh, <laughs> all I was missing was for, for Yelena to, to still be around and call her a poser like she did to, to Black Widow in that film. Um, we, we, see, so we see Clint um, fires one of his smoke arrows uh, across into a building where uh, Kazi is. Um, Kate starts fighting some of the track suits on the street and we <laughs> we see the ones she gave advice to in an earlier episode and he's thanking for her. We went to see, was it Maroon 5, he says yeah. in the end? And she goes, what's this? And he sort of almost apologises for, you know, having the gun at her, like, you know, this is, this is work kind of thing. And <laughs> she battles him with another... Tracksuit tries to take it by surprise, but Jack is on hand with his sword to to save her, to save the day. So he starts taking on some of the tracksuit mafia with his uh, with his sword. 
which is <laughs> quite fun to watch. Yeah, Jack's turning out to be a good guy. Who'd have thought? Not me. Not me. Um, the cars he struck down Clint in um, in the building, and they have a bit of a fight. And uh, Carthy gets taken to Suplex City, Scott. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's one way of describing it. Yeah, uh, quite a quite yeah, Clint pulling off quite a good German Suplex there. I was quite quite impressed. I know. It's weird in these kind of like action films where they pull out something that you, you've seen in wrestling or something like that. Because yeah, I can't, I can't not like call it out when it happens. Like whenever like, you see like female like agents or assassins, like you see Black Widow doing with like the you know, the head scissors take down kind of thing, I always have to say, "Oh, beautiful hurricane runner." <laughs> it's, it's not often you see a German suplex in a in a fight scene. To be fair, and then Clint, then Clint himself tries to. Jump out the window as I said before, but the rope gives way and he he lands quite near the top of that big Christmas tree. <laughs> yeah, uh, I've seen like a comparison. It's probably spotted a number of different comparisons to other Christmas films in this episode because also this is set on Christmas Eve and everything. Uh, I think the best description I heard about this like spot from Clint was uh, he went for like a John McClane esque like dive out the building, but ended up having more of a Harry and Marv. <laughs> so uh, yeah uh, some of the LARPers make it downstairs Kate asks them to uh, clear the area so she can get the tree down uh, and get Clint back on the ground um, they start trying to direct some of the, um, the stragglers and civilians but they're not really paying much attention to them so they decide right we gonna. We need to change our outfits too. So they run back inside and come back out in the and that sort of larping gear kind of kind of stuff. And there's a good scene where um, I think it's Grills has got on the seventh on his shoulder and he's kicking up. Going, oh, put me down! Don't you know who I am? <laughs> I'm trying to save your ass, you ungrateful little git, or something like that. <laughs> I mean, Quite I know funny. we don't do it anymore, but I would fully endorse someone smacking that child. <laughs> and um, yeah, Kate says to Clint, "I'll get you down." And uh, Clint's like, "No, no, you're all right. Don't, don't do anything." But uh, as usual, Kate ignores his advice and shoots some acid arrows, which burn through um, the ropes that are holding a tree, and the tree collapses to the floor. Um, with Clint still holding on to dear life, <laughs> it's quite a quite a funny little scene there. Um, down on the ice, Clint and um, Kate have to fend off more tracksuits with an array of different trick arrows, and we kind of see the reverse of um, the pim arrow we saw in. Um, Episode three, I think it was. This time they shrink an oncoming van, and uh, quite a little interaction. Where it says, "What now?" Because <laughs> I don't know. I think I'll have to ask Scott. And how many says, "I will swoop down and and take it away, <laughs> take the van away." Uh, and I've told Jamie, and I don't know how you fix the pin particles. I'm not the Scott you're looking for. Please stop DMing me. <laughs> As uh, uh, Kate, Kate sort of runs off to, 
to find her, her mum before couldn't join her. He gets jumped by Elena. Mm-hmm. And um we also we also see Kazi uh and Echo get it on, who sort of comes at him and sort of launches a sort of motorbike mm-hmm. at him in quite a cool scene. Mm-hmm. It's also a cool scene where um yeah, Kazi actually catches an arrow, doesn't he? Which yeah. uh, comes into play later. But uh, yeah, Elena wants to know what happened to Natasha. Clint tells her, "You won't believe it, me," but she she's basically sacrificed herself to, to save the world. And he's right; she she doesn't believe him at first. And uh, a, a fight ensues. Um, quite a short fight between Kazi and Echo because Echo quickly gets the upper hand. Uh, Kazi's sort of shouting at her, complaining that you know this is my life. Uh, I think he's pr- perhaps a bit pissed that he w- he wasn't in charge. He, that's what I sort of gather from what he sort of says in his reactions. That uh, and perhaps why he sort of. Um, in, yeah, was an informant, um, sort of to Ronin um, where the tracksuit mafia and her father was. Perhaps he tried to get him out of the way so he could take take charge of the tracksuit mafia, but it didn't quite work out that way for him. Mm. And we see um, Eleanor getting in a car, and uh, I think a door's getting ripped off, and it's it's Kingpin. Um, Kate tries to stop him. She fires some normal arrows at him, but they kind of bounce off because he always has that, that special sort of Kevlar suit, doesn't he? Uh, which stops, yeah, obviously stops the arrows from uh, penetrating and doing him any damage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was weird to see him in the space scene because, like, in the comics, he's portrayed as this, like he looks like very fat, but it turns out, oh, I said it's all muscle, which means he's like very strong. And could like hold his own, but listen, they, had, they said he had body armor in the uh, the Daredevil show, where I think you're like uh, doing a mix of both, where he, like they are leaning into how strong he can actually be, given how what some of the stuff he came back from and how easily he was able to rip the the door. Because remember the one of his first one of the first scenes in Daredevil, you see him like, how strong he is when he keeps in that guy with the door head so much that the guy's like head like comes off. Yeah, yeah, he's always sort of like. Um... That you know, that big and strong that he can hold his own with some of the the, the superheroes, even even Spider Man sometimes in the in the comics and cartoons. So um, yeah, just because he prefers to let other people do his dirty work for him doesn't mean he he can't kick some ass himself. Yeah, Echo um, kills Kazi um, before as he's sort of dying. He tells her. To leave town as uh, he will come after her, obviously meaning Kingpin. Mm-hmm. So uh, even in his sort of last moments, he's sort of giving he's giving Echo some some uh, advice there. Uh, Kingpin and Kate battle him. What looks to be uh, a toy shop. She sort of fires a a trick hour that makes like a like a sort of electrified web kind of fence thing so he can't so it sort of traps him inside 
but um, she's not found very well in the fight. Kingpin's just um, far too sort of strong, big and strong for her, and he sort of grabs her arrows and uh, snaps them in half. I should mention, I forgot that he ended up in the shop because um, uh, Eleanor drove the car into him, and he sort of crashed through the wall into the into the shop. And even that wasn't enough to mm-hmm. to take Kingpin down. Yeah. But I like the fact that the um, the broken arrow has come into play, and um, that coin trick we saw in uh, the episode as well as um, Kate uses one of Clint's, uh, not Clint's, uh, one of uh, Kingpin's cufflinks, and uses it to set off the arrows, um, which causes an explosion that uh, knocks Kingpin out, allowing Kate to to get away and. Um, her mum tries to sort of explain why she did what she did and um, she gets arrested and she goes, this is what heroes do arrest their parents on Christmas <laughs> yeah <laughs> and um, yeah, we see Yelena getting the upper hand with Clint um, she uses a baton to start thrashing, thrashing him with it and um to save himself, he sort of does that sort of secret sort of whistle that they do, which stops Shalana, and she's like, how do you know our secret whistle? Mm-hmm. And he sort of explains that Natasha told, you know, taught him, and he tells her again that, you know, Natasha um, you know, sacrificed herself to save the world, and... Yelena, that you know, she was always talking about Yelena and um, that she she loved her, and um, this sort of makes Yelena realize that perhaps Clint was telling the truth after all. And uh, she helped, she helps him up and um, walks away from the fight basically. So, um, looks like that's that might be over with now. And um, there's a cool, there's a bit of a scene where we see uh, Kingpin sort of battered and defeated, sort of not exactly running away, but sort of shuffling away. And um, a car pulls up in front of him, and it's Echo who gets out of the car and pulls a gun at Kingpin's head and um, off screen we hear the gun shot but we don't actually see Kingpin get shot so we're going to have to wonder if he's still alive or not mm. I'm going to assume he probably is because I think there's a there's a lot more they can do with him um, in the MCU so my hopes are that he'll still be alive mm-hmm. yeah, you didn't see it happen it was off screen, if you didn't see the body you know, it didn't happen. But it gives them a get out. I mean, if they want to kill him off, they can do. And if they they don't want to, they can they can they can go another way. So uh, it's a good way to keep their options open by doing it off screen. Yeah. Uh, there's another fun scene with Jack when um, one of the lapers are talking about him and how impressed they are with his sword work. And and have you ever thought about larping? And he's sort of not really sure what it is. That's some sort of social thing, isn't it? And he goes, oh, no, there's that blood on my tie. <laughs> <laughs> and 
there's a nice little scene where Clint and uh, Kate are sort of in the back of, I think sitting on the back of a, an ambulance and he's sort of saying, you know, every now and again someone comes along that just makes you, be- that makes you better. And he goes, and this suit, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The other one where he reveals that he's wearing it and Keith has the whole thing, you wore it, you actually wore it. Yeah, he had it on under his uh, under his uh, tuxedo all along. And uh, yeah, and Clint actually does make it home on Christmas. Uh, and he has Kate with him as well with uh, the dog. I think they're calling the dog Lucky now. Am I? Mm. Have I got that right? Yeah. And um, he has the Rolex, which he gives to his wife. And he says, you need to take better care of your stuff. So it looks like uh, Clint's missus was uh, a shield agent. Mm-hmm. Sources um, say she's perhaps known as Mockingbird. Yeah, but obviously, the thing that in the comments are like there are a lot of different versions of Mockingbird that they are just one and agent to shield. But then that's they never really said how everybody that really connects to it. But I don't think they really need to do anything more. They just imply what she's mm. what she that she used to be in shield because I think she's fine enough in the role that. Uh, to, to please now. And um, a nice bit at the end where um, Clint burns the running seat and then um, Kate is trying to come up with some um, sort of hero names for herself. How about Lady Hawk? <laughs> <laughs> and Clint doesn't seem overly keen on any of them. <laughs> then he, he says, I have one and then it just flashes up the, the show logo, which basically implies that, yeah. She's okay now, not him. Yeah, could could well be, which is pretty cool. And then, and then, <laughs> we get the best end credit scene of all time. <laughs> we sort of saw a part of a rendition of um, the sort of little sort of West End sort of version of um, the Battle of New York. And we see like the full sort of um, scene that they filmed of it at the end credits, which is quite cool. Mm-hmm. I could do this all day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, who doesn't have a good musical number? I mean, it's not quite Agatha all along, but, you know, I, I, I was thoroughly entertained. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering perhaps if we were going to see somebody in the audience or, or something of some note, but uh, no, it was just the... Uh, <laughs> The musical number, basically, which was fun enough. Yeah, I was actually hoping Elena was in the audience. You know, I think mm. get on there. You know, oh, first time you're going to go see this and that. <laughs> so that, you know, that's uh, that was not to be. But yeah, I really enjoyed this as a finale. I mean, there are some of the echo bits felt like they were like, okay, we're kind of wrapping this up, but we're kind of also leaving it open. Uh, because also we got that show, but everything else I think was really good to the way they wrapped it all up. There was all like they kept the pace going, even like that we seen Maya earlier on in the episode when she came up until she came back. I'd almost forgotten about her until she came back for the scene with Kazzy. Uh And yeah, again, you see Kingpin literally right off the bat, the first three sees him walking with his cane. And I don't know if you know this, but like the way they shoot him most of the time, uh, like they shoot him where he goes up and then they kind of shoot down when he's talking to people. Emphasize like he is this like intimidating 
like boss character. Yeah, yeah, just sort of. He's like a a big big man, and yeah, he's um, as you, as you put it, make him look a bit more sort of imposing and intimidating, and it and it really works. And yeah, as we were we were sort of talking, weren't we, at the end of the last podcast? You know how much Kingpin, if any, we would see in this episode, and we weren't disappointed. He's there from the start and plays quite a prominent part in this uh, final episode, which I was glad to see. Yeah, definitely. I, mean, I remember the I could have done with just like them saying, "Oh, where's Kingpin? Oh, he's disappeared," and then leave that bit open ended for Echo. And the idea of him like try like track Maya down, but then this, I don't know how necessary that scene was with them at the end with the shooting because especially if he does get revealed to be like still alive but you know maybe they've got a we'll have to obviously won't know how necessary that scene really was until the echo show comes out because uh, i heard some people talk that there's a story in the comics where it seemed like the kingpin was finally like killed when somebody shot him but it turns out he'd just been like blinded so maybe they'll, they'll keep that going the idea of like the blind villain and the deaf kind of anti-hero but we're also making more interesting if like charlie cox comes back because now have you had another Daredevil Kingpin showdown, but now them, they, they both can't see? Yeah, yeah, that could be an interesting way to go. Or it was someone else firing a, a gun or something to put um, Echo off or something. Or it's one of those where can't quite kill him, so she just shoots to wound him or something. Uh, I'm not too sure, but yeah. Unless they do want to kill him off, but that would seem a bit senseless to me. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. Uh, I do bet you that it's literally the first one of the first shots we're going to see of the Echo Show is this exact scene again, and maybe flashback form. But then they'll give you like a whole different perspective. See, ah, no, see that she she was going to shoot him, but the very last second. Yeah. Um, anything? Yeah, anything to could sort of happen. Point Dexter was there or something. Who yeah. knows? Who, who knows? I did really like the scene between her and Kazzy, like before she, she kills him because like we did say that they had to be implying that you know he's our number two given in terms of like the Tricet Mafia. There also seems to be kind of a personal connection between the two. And obviously he was <clears throat> really playing a role in you know, Kingpin's work with also the plan to take uh or dad out, uh, so he could basically, like, you know, use Maya's abilities for his own purposes. But he he clearly thought, as you said, like he would be getting to go to track him off. But clearly, Kingpin decided to put Maya in that role after her father's death, which he clearly, like, we see, he isn't happy about. But now he's like we've seen that, so like he goes Kingpin after the whole Goldman Sachs thing that he clearly enjoyed. He says to Kaz, basically, "What are you gonna do about this?" So now he's basically still not trying to prove the, himself to the Kingpin even at the expense of, of Maya in this episode. And you know, we see that she doesn't want to, but she's kind of forced to kind of kill him. And like, he even has the same line, like, she wants to leave, but he wants, she wants him to go with her. He says, like, I can't go, like, between two worlds. This is, like, a callback to what her dad said to her when he said, when she explained to her why she couldn't go to, like, the deaf school, like, you need to learn to go between, you know, the two worlds. Yeah, exactly. Yes, as he sort of said in the final battle, this was a this was his life. So it was, it was, you know, sort of crime is perhaps all he knew, and he probably knows as well that once you sort of work for Kingpin, there's there's sort of no getting out. Like um, what Eleanor Bishop has sort of found out to her cast, she probably 
went there to you know joined in to try and pay him back whatever they owed and then sort of got stuck in his sort of clutches he's not the sort of person that lets you walk away especially if he can be useful to him yeah it gives you a different like your perspective of like what her father was doing before he died like uh, Kate's father was doing before he died because Kingpin said to him he owed me like a small fortune uh, obviously he died while well, the house got attacked during the uh, the invasion in 2012 uh, and before that he and Eleanor were arguing about it so that gives you a full picture of what they were arguing about they had a right to also be worried so Clay Kingpin said to, said to her after like you know if you do these favours for me I will slowly but surely you know, pay off your you know the debt and everything but you can't easily walk away from it like Clint even talks about you know when they hear the recording like he will Kingpin will not take it like he will react and you know Everybody who's seen them in Daredevil knows, like, the King Penny is this intimidating character, but you also notice he's very insecure. And, you know, if you, like, cross him even slightly, he does tend to act very violently. Yes, he, uh, he'll pay you back in kind if you slight him, mm-hmm. for, for sure. He's, as you say, yeah, and it, it does come from these uh, insecurities that were quite well, quite well sort of... Um, Explained and developed in the first Daredevil series, actually, why Kingpin be, became like he was. Yeah, like even the cufflings that uh, Kate takes on, I believe, like he talks about how he had, he talks a lot in the first series about he's very traumatic relationship with his father, but they were his cufflings and he wears them to remind himself not to be as weak as he was when he was a boy. And that, those, it seemed like they were the same cufflings that Kate used to do, kind of like the flick, like trick to activate all the trick arrows, which I love how. Clint said, oh, there are no more trick arrows, and then when they talk about what they're going to do, he goes, well, we're going to need more trick arrows. And he'd be really like, oh, yeah, we can easily make more trick arrows. <laughs> yeah, I suppose he needed a, I suppose he needed a bit of a, a get-out yeah. somewhere to, to why he didn't have any for, for sort of plot device purposes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I love like the, again, like I said, the label maker and like the the ones that say Stark <laughs> on them as well, and all that. Uh, also, the uh, the references to the Christmas movies, like I said before, uh, there are people who said it's great, like the way that they make and the fact that it's Christmas Eve and they're making these plans with the trigger house is very similar to like in Home Alone where he's setting up the traps and uh, Kate pushing all the buttons in the elevator to try and stop Elena, like Buddy the Elf does. When he first gets into an elevator, <laughs> which is very funny. Also, the fact that you later they do a little casual bit the elevator. Oh, you know, I'm just here. Kill Clint, eat some appetizers, and I'll leave. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing more Yelena now after seeing her in um, in this. Um, this is a, a lot more well-rounded and uh, fun character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like like you said before in the last episode, like our chemistry with. Haley Steinfeld's like amazing, so I want to see more between those two. And it's this was definitely a better introduction to her than like Black Widow was. But I even think Black this series is a better like farewell to Black Widow to like Natasha than the Black Widow film because obviously it's the last thing that Scarlett Johansson did as a character. But in this, without even having to see her, we get to see how important she was to other people in the MCU, like Yelena and particularly Clint, because you see through the whole series. He's pretty much mourning her death throughout the whole show. 
Yeah, 100%. I'd, uh, I'd agree with that totally. Um, yeah, it, it's uh, sort of, you say, a, a fitting send-off as we see, like, yeah, the two, perhaps two of the characters that were closest to her in Yelena and, and, and Clint, and you can understand why Yelena is upset and doesn't want to believe um, that Natasha sort of willingly sacrificed herself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also like the idea, like he said, you wouldn't believe me, which you know it's probably why how she died isn't as widely, you know, known by people because you know who really would believe you if he told you the exact like events of what happened in Endgame, like oh yeah, there was a guy with a red face that one of you had to go over the rock and die, otherwise you can't get the glory <laughs> or thing to bring everyone back. Yeah, it it doesn't sound super plausible, does it? Let's let's be fair. <laughs> Like I remember, like even when we did the like the the talk to the the mon- the like plaque that commemorates the first battle, and he's talking to her. He even says at one point, "Stupid orange rock." <laughs> <laughs> so like yeah, there's like so much going on in that like final scene, like the bit with they're getting everybody out. Jack's there, who like the guys made a bit more goofy in this. So he's used to basically say like, "Oh yeah, we big reveal. He wasn't. He was a patsy as we we thought he was in the last episode. He's been he was he got set up." But uh, so he he, he, got, he becomes more goofy and he's helping the larpers. Then you got Elena versus Clint, which showed them which we we were waiting for. Then you got Kazi and Echo, and then Kingpin and Kate, and just so much happening in this valley. Like try to wrap everything up. Yeah, and um, understandably, it was a little bit longer than mm-hmm. uh, the other episodes, just running uh, over an hour, where the others were around the sort of 40, 48, sort of 50 odd minute mark. So, um, yeah, but yeah, I thought it might have to be a bit longer to to sort of fit everything in. And yeah, this for me, this episode d- delivered on all fronts, to be honest. Yeah, I was happy when I when I put on Disney Plus and saw the longer kind of runtime because uh, I, I gave more faith that things would be wrapped up as they should be because if it'd been like the regular length that had been like so far the series, I'd be a bit worried that they're going to leave some like very loose like like plot threads there like, unanswered. But thankfully they they didn't. Uh, I'm interested to see if there is a, a Hawkeye season two, but just like mostly the focus on Kate and see what she does there. Uh, Maybe our mum could be like angrier and you can take up more of the villain role. And now, since you know Jack's in it, I'd like to see them two actually teaming up and see what happens there. Yeah, that could be quite funny, actually. I wouldn't be against that. We can also look forward to um, the Echo standalone series, which will be coming out. And uh, we know there'll be a Daredevil one at some point as well. So I'm looking forward to seeing um, what Disney do with that. Yeah. It's weird because I'm like, when like, Thor's, I believe, also we got both at about to start, but then I think Obi-Wan we know almost for sure is the next one, whereas I don't think they've confirmed an actual date for when the next actual Marvel related series starts, and I think it's, it may be either Echo or She-Hulk, and I think if you want to kind of keep things kind of going with, you know, what happened in Hawkeye, I think Echo is probably the best bet, because... But a lot of people probably didn't know about her character until Hawkeye. So even her drifter now, obviously, you need a strike now. Like while the Iron Salt, if you want to get people to invest in a series with her, is like the lead. 
Yeah, yeah, you could be right. I actually forgot about She-Hulk because we have already seen a bit of a, a trailer for that one. So uh, that might be next on the cards, perhaps. Perhaps, yeah. But also, hopefully, Yelena and Kate do more, either whether it's in Hawkeye or in one of a future film, because like, the bit where they have the, the thing in the elevator, like, they reveal, like, she rips the the dress off, like, Kate's outfit, and then they kind of a, she keeps pressing all the buttons, and Yelena says something worse than which I later found out translates, she called her a bitch, but in Russian, and then she takes off her, like, <laughs> big green coat, and she's got, like, her Black Widow-esque outfit, and they're doing the big long tracking shot, like, fight, and then, like, they're complimenting each other as they're, as they're going along, and, like, Kate at one point goes, like, stop making me like you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she, she always, like, persists in calling her Kate Bishop as well, which uh, always makes me laugh. Yeah, like, she's in the like, last episode, like, are you, are you, are you, you saying my full name just to remind me that you know me? Like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, with the thing, say, the elevator, like, she's waiting for one elevator and Hawkeye's in the elevator, like, he's in the elevator, but, Oh yeah, but you're fine. You don't know what floor he's on. The elevator stops. He's on the twelfth floor. Damn it! <laughs> yeah, she she knows what she's doing. <laughs> yeah, uh, and like there's almost a comical amount of like tracksuit guys here. Like I didn't like remember in episode three there was not nearly this, this many guys. You just went like, how how where did they get all these guys from? <laughs> that must be like a, a henchman warehouse or something. I don't know, they're fucking growing them, like, somewhere. But I think one of my favourite trick hours is, like, the magnetic one. They shoot, like, the all around the poles around the ice rink and all the weapons kind of stick to it. So it was pretty cool. You know, I still they didn't try and do a thing with the ice almost cracking during the fight because the, the fight scene on the ice will last a long time. <laughs> Yeah, it's um, it's good. It's like it's, it's almost like the um, you know, uh, the comics where they could just sort of make up anything with these sort of weapons and trick arrows and and whatnot. And you know, they're doing a good job of sort of putting them in, into live action and, and making them work. Yeah, which is cool. Yeah, and also like because uh, they're getting on Hawkeye, they have a more of a almost a comic kind of accurate costume also they don't go the full hog and give them the mask but talking about oh you've got a branding issue and everything and don't try and tell you know you're really you know a lot of this trick arrow stuff is all in your head but no then realizing no actually i can make all these trick arrows and yeah even though they're very like kind of goofy some of them they, they still work there's one that just feeds the guy's leg which uh quite, quite yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> it looked quite, it looked like quite nasty that one, to be honest. <laughs> what if you fell over and your leg just shattered? I know. But you know, with the kind of ending of the show and everything, the idea of they passing the torch to to Kate Bishop, do you foresee much more of Jeremy, or do you think this is kind of his like swan song, like with this finale? Um, I have a feeling it might be his swan song. It looks like phase four seems to be sort of moving in, you know, new directions and um, sort of the old guard sort of moving on and younger actors or different actors taking over some of the roles like we've seen with... um, Anthony Mackie taking over with uh, as like Captain America, although I don't think he's much younger than um, 
Chris Evans, to be fair, but but still, and um, yeah, it's uh, all quite interesting how things seem to be setting up and moving along. Yeah, it's interesting because like they because also we know we're gonna get more Mark Ruffalo with She Hulk and everything. So mm. by the end of Phase Four, we could have completely phased out like the OG like like Phase One like Avengers team like, almost like completely. Yeah, yeah, um, we might have done it. They might still do little cameos and stuff here and there, you never know. But, um, yeah, we'll just have to carry on watching and see how things develop. Absolutely. Uh, so, as I was say, I don't know when we're going to get more Kate Bishop. Uh, like I said, I don't know if there's going to be a Hawkeye season two because, like, not all these shows need a second series, but some of them, I think, could. Do only do like do with that because like Loki is kind of season two, but uh, would this affect your kind of ranking of uh, any of the shows? Because I know at the end of Loki we kind of agreed that Loki was like top, but would this affect your kind of rankings anyway? Um, maybe a little bit. I've I've really enjoyed Hawkeye, and I think it's it's certainly up there with with Loki. But they're, they're kind of very different sort of. Series because you know Hawkeye's more sort of grounded in um, reality, where Loki was sort of sci-fi and in sort of space and that. So I still, I still think I enjoyed Loki slightly more, but it's you know it's flip a coin almost. To be honest, I really enjoyed both of these. I mean, if I do for the rankings, I still have. Falcon Wars, which are maybe bottom for me, just you know, not a bad series, but just com- in comparison to some of the other ones that we got, uh, it did feel like it was like I said, I said, I kind of got a prologue for the inevitable mm. uh, next Captain America movie. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd agree with you there. I'd probably have um, one division next, then Lo- uh, then Hawkeye, then Loki, I think. Yeah. I mean, I, I've been thinking since then maybe I should have been one of them a bit higher. But then again, those first two episodes weren't uh, weren't the best. So yeah, I think I'd maybe have a slow one. Maybe maybe if I give a couple of episodes of Hawkeye and new another watch, maybe Hawkeye could overtake Loki. But you know, I'm trying not to let recency you know cloud my, my rankings. Yeah, it it can be easily done, can't it? When um, You've really you've just watched so many really enjoy it. Recency bias can sort of kick in and climb your judgment a little bit, but I think they've all. I mean, none of them have been bad. They've all been um, well, you know, well made, really enjoyable programs. To to be fair, yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing what they uh, what they have kind of coming up, and when we get to see more, you know, like these characters like Kate Bishop and that, but. Uh, yeah, do you have anything else to say about Hawkeye, or do you we want to go into uh, the rank, the ratings? Uh, I'm ready to go to the ratings, to be honest. All right, what would you, what would you give the finale? Um, yeah, I, I, I think I'm tempted to go for a ten because I can't really find much fault in it, to be honest. 
I was going to go nine and a half, but then I was thinking, why nine and a half? What, what, what's the reason I'm not going to go full ten? And I, I can't really think of one. I, I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed it from start to finish. It gave us plenty of kingpin. It resolved issues, but left enough open to to go into other series or, or films, perhaps. So uh, yeah, I'm going to give it a ten. I, I really enjoyed it. No, I'm probably going to be the same. I'm going to give it a ten as well. I was tempted to you know, be very. I'll get tempted to be that guy and go nine point five because you know again I wasn't sure about the idea of potentially did they or did they not kill off, kill off Kingpin? But no, I don't think I'll have long to wait to find out the answer with the uh, with Echo coming out. And I think maybe it'll kind of make more sense when we get to to there. But as like as part of the episodes, other than that kind of nitpick, I don't think there's anything that I didn't enjoy with the episode. So yeah, I think I'm going to go the full ten. And will that will that be a show that makes us Dave Meltzer and break our rating system and pull out a ten and a half or an eleven at the Thunderdome? Um. <laughs> uh, who knows? Dave will tell you. Know twenty twenty two. You know, you never know what's going to happen. No, it, it, you really don't. But uh, yeah, hopefully we sh- we'll be back reasonably soon with the book of Boba Fett, which I'm really looking forward to as well. It should be a a fun program by the looks of it. I think which, Friday is it? Is it starts? Am I, is that am oh, that right? Oh, uh, Wednesday. It's on a Wednesday. I think that's why. Or is it tomorrow? Yes. Yeah. Well, tomorrow time we're recording. Probably. You guys listeners will probably have already watched it if you were going to watch it, but I think it was that's the reason Hawkeye episodes one and two went out the same day because they wanted to do these on a Wednesday. Wednesday seems to be the chosen day for Marvel for whatever reason. I don't know why, even though like they can upload on their on Disney Plus whenever they want. They choose, I think, choose Wednesdays more often than that. Yeah, well, it, it seems to be working, so um, I'm not going to argue. Perhaps it's a nice quiet day where there's nothing, you know, no one else is releasing to clash with them or or something, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, perhaps. But yeah, so the next six or seven weeks or how long this goes, that's something to talk about. And uh, I think, you know, you could have, you know, be a bit nostalgic for the days of the Mandalorian, but given it's kind of a, a almost sequel series or connected in the same like timeline of that, I think we're going to bring back the old Mandalorian theme for those episodes. I've decided that for an, Whenever we talk about like Mando season three or, or Boba Fett related stuff, I'm gonna use that old theme song. <laughs> Fair enough. All good. So, Scott, are you ready for your plugs? I, I am a fairly a quiet plug here, but uh, you can follow me on Twitter at scumcloud1996. Follow Scott and Paul's Ram podcast at SP Rambling on Twitter. Uh, we're on the Rogue Pains banner as well as our own uh, podcast feed on wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you're listening to this, you can find us. Yeah, we released an Impact podcast around the year. It was recorded a, a wee while ago, but obviously we had some stuff that delayed it. And then a podcast I was hoping to put out before the new year, but like, why not have that that be the first podcast of the new year? The, me and Paul were getting very drunk and reviewing this Tuesday in Texas and very angrily, when we run out of booth, angrily yelling about how much we don't like Hulk Hogan. <laughs> and if you can think of a fair way to ring in 2022, I'd like to hear about it. Other than that, here in Rogue Opinions, uh, I've got a No Rogues Bar that we recorded uh, before Christmas, which will probably be out sometime early in the new year with Quacko Adji, uh, producer of ESSR, rig announcer in Scotland, and, you know, uh, basically 
a subject of me and Daniel's no rules barred, so he's coming on to respond to some things that were said about him on there. Uh, other than that, also Rogue of Pains wise, I'm pretty quiet as with Scott Ramp podcast, me and Paul are going to reconvene in the new year to discuss where we're going, uh, how we're going to schedule out some stuff for the start of the year. Uh, on ESSR, I'm doing a show to start the year because also New Japan have a big show early January. We're doing a show to kind of tie into that with a uh, our New Japan Mount Rushmore show where everyone brings their own Mount Rushmore and everyone debates to get a final Mount Rushmore. We've got a whole series of Mount Rushmore shows in the SSR, but this is going to be a, a New Japan-centric version of that, so if you're into your Japanese wrestling, then uh, this might be a podcast for you, but you know, compared to usual, i uh, fairly quiet on my end. You know, to, I'm very relaxed day in 2021. And I don't blame you at all. And uh, yeah, you can find me at uh, Carlos underscore Fire eighty on Twitter and Instagram. You can find the brand at Rogue underscore Opinions on Twitter and Instagram. And also check out our website, RogueOpinions twenty dot WordPress dot com. And uh, yeah, you can check out my other podcast, uh, Guns and Devils, with Liam as we talk uh, Arsenal, Manchester United, and other things football. I'm not too sure what the next one of those will be about, as uh, scheduling around this time of year does become quite difficult. Um, you can also check out on the back catalog the Buffy Pod. There's two of those that I've recorded with Sam Carmichael. So if you're a fan of uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, check check those out. Um, we did a Christmas special of uh, Free Men Talking Shit with um, Liam and Reese. So you know, if you want to hear three guys waffle on for an hour, that's the podcast for you. <laughs> And that is it. And um, as with Pudding, uh, Christmas isn't easy, Scott. And neither is uh, neither was twenty twenty one. Twenty twenty one was not easy. It's like twenty twenty two is a little bit easier. That's pretty hope so. But I'm feeling we're going to get Megatron virus or something next. <laughs> uh, on onwards and upwards, eh? Bye, everyone. <laughs> Bye. So this is Christmas And what have you done Another year over And a new one just begun